This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. You are now listening to the Heroic Council. Tell me you're not so <laughs> right now, right? That's a, that blows my mind. Right? How, how you did all of that. Yes. <laughs> so pretty, I got this thing, I got this thing right here, like buttons that allow me to do all sorts of cool stuff. We're pretty technically advanced <laughs> at the Heroic Council. It's pretty amazing. Um, I'm not hosting today. Sarah, you take this away. Sure. I'm happy to. So hello, everybody. I am Sarah. I am today's host for the Heroic Council. Um, our featured guest today is Liz Walton. I'm going to let her introduce herself in a second. Um, but make sure you tune in every Monday where we get together to talk about work and answer all your questions. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. You can watch us live on YouTube or in the Facebook group. And you can find all the information at superheroinstitute.org slash heroic. Um, and everything that we talk about today is going to be linked over in the show notes. So Liz, let's start by um, introducing yourself. So who are you? What do you do? Hi, my name is Liz Walton. I am the owner and principal designer of a luxury kitchen and bath firm, Liz Walton Home. I have been in business for 12 years and been in the industry for over 17. And we have the privilege to transform people's homes kind of all over the East Coast um, and certainly locally in the mainline area. Excellent. So right now, people are working from home more than ever before. We are in our homes more than ever before. We are in a, you know, a quarantine kind of environment. So how does our, our physical space and how we set up our space and our homes, you know, how does that affect us and why does that matter so much right now? It's really interesting because it's it's kind of shifted. I mean, so kitchens and baths are like my thing. And I think for the first time ever, having a an office space is just as important as what's happening in your kitchen. So that's kind of a new thing. People are creating Zoom rooms, which is really kind of interesting. And it's really important to have a physical space that represents who you are because it makes your working from home experience a lot more authentic. It gives you a sense of stability and control in a world that we can control almost nothing right now. Um, so I think it's, it's really interesting and it's so important to have a space that you have things around you that you love. Mm, I love that. Okay. So what trends are you seeing right now? You mentioned a zoom room, so I definitely want to hear more about that, but what trends are you seeing in, in design right now, especially around home offices? So home offices, um, there's a couple different ways. There's people want lots of light. Um, natural everything so natural woods lots everything is white um earth colors lots of light blues um and one really kind of interesting way to incorporate your home office so it doesn't look like an office is like don't just have an office chair from staples like have a chair that's really comfortable it could almost be like a better version of your dining chair um, those are things that we are encouraging people so that they don't feel like they're just going into an office. 
I was sitting on, you know, those exercise balls. I was told yeah. they're really good for your back. And then I sat on it for like a week and I was like, I, I hate my life and my back hurts. <laughs> I was so not into it. Well, you don't want, you don't want one of those. Definitely. They, they have this Batman chair now that's like, it's a big executive like gamer chair. And, and um, I have like a crappy Staples one right now um, <laughs> or Ikea, but there's one that has like the, the Batman logo on it and it's giant. It looks like you're sitting in a throne and that's my next chair. <laughs> that's cool. Like that's, I think really you cool. should have fun with it. It shouldn't be, everything shouldn't be so utilitarian because we are home. And a lot of times this, your office space is connected to your house, right? So it should it should look halfway decent. I want to talk a little bit about being distraction free in your space, which is a topic I obviously work with a lot, you know, different clients on. So how can we make our workspaces more distraction free? And I'm going to start with Liz, but I want to go around the room and get all the council members to weigh in on that one. So Liz, why don't you start us off? And wait, can I just add one piece to that question that I'm curious about? Because I, I had a question that was very similar to that, but in a slightly different angle. Is there a best type of workspace? Like, So I, I have like a, 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 a type of work environment that I would say, like, this is the best way to work objectively, right? Like everybody else is wrong if they think anything other than that, but I'm sure that that's not true. In, in your experience of like helping people design and seeing what's, what works best for multiple people, um, distraction-free, I would assume is one big piece of it, but kind of bundled to that, is there a sort of overall best practice that fits with that? Yeah, so distraction-free, it's, it's really hard, especially for families, like short of crawling into a hole, it's hard to be totally distraction-free. So invest in a really good set of um, noise canceling headphones. But I practice what you preach, right? Have only what you need at your desk. Like try not to have games. And like, I try not to have food here because I would just eat all day and not get anything done. Just kind of have what you need to get done for the day. Like my kids have their offices little set up in their um, in the living room and it's their computer and their books and pencils. And like, that's it because otherwise nothing will get done. So I think like taking, analyzing what you need throughout your day and maybe that changes every day. Interestingly enough, um, Liz's daughter was featured. I did a productivity tips from kids for kids and she was in it and both her kids, but her, but her daughter specifically had very, um, a very good routine around organizing her book bag to correspond with the due dates of her homework. So everything is in date order in her, in her backpack, which I was very impressed with. <laughs> yeah. What's next? Love you. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll see how often that happens. I think it's amazing though how how kids are figuring out they need a workspace also um for sure so um jeff tim parshall why don't we start with jeff what's working for your distraction free workspace right now no oh, it's really tough so right behind me um over my right shoulder is um you can see there's a painting and right below that is my fireplace and we have a critter that is in my fireplace right now not in like in the fireplace but in like right above the flu it had somehow like crawled in there so all day i've been mostly headphones on because i hear like so um sometimes it's not even like my immediate desk space right now pretty good but the fact that i have that going on it's like i had to go downstairs with my laptop and sit at the kitchen table for me i think the big thing is um Clutter makes me incapable of thinking clearly and straight. The more clutter that there is in my workspace, the things that are piled up, stacks, whether they be paper, whether they be like right now I have 
on my desk, I have these little uh, LED lights. There's no purpose for these to be here. They have no reason to be on my desk whatsoever. And just their mere presence there is giving me like a little bit of anxiety about my ability to think clearly about my email or whatever else, right? So for me, I think the big, like my ideal workspace would be a completely clean desk with my keyboard, my mouse, a white legal pad with graph lined uh, uh, graph lines on it and my favorite type of pen, which is a pilot G2 black, um, and my computer and that's it. But because I have this whole studio set up working from home, like I have a mixer, I have a camera, I have a second, mic, I have uh, or a, a, a second monitor. I have lights. I have my mic. I have all this stuff. So my workspace doesn't generally ever feel like very like Zen and relaxed. It always feels like a little bit chaotic, but I've noticed that the more chaos I have, the more like papers up or things that are not relevant to work at all, the more difficulty I have, strangely enough, even if I'm not looking at them, just their mere presence causes me difficulty to actually focus on the task at hand. Yeah, there's a lot of research around that too, how when your mind is needing to be thinking about something else, like what does this paper over here mean? It's distracting you from you know the task at hand, which might be on your computer screen at that moment. So there's a lot of um, interesting neuroscience around that clutter specifically. Yeah, and Liz's point about the noise-free headphones, I can't underscore and echo that enough, like how critical it is when, cause we're all working from home, right? Like, so my wife is working from home today because of the snow and, um, and like we have a lot of family around and baby and all that. The noise canceling headphones are my only way of retreating to a space of like mental focus and clarity. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Parshal, let's go over to you. Mm -hmm. How is your space working for you and keeping it distraction free? Um, I love my space. I feel like for me to keep it distraction free is like at the end of the day, uh, I have to clear whatever it is because I know when I come back in the morning, that's kind of like my restart. So um, to come back in the morning, looking at like papers and like notes, you know, sticky notes, I have sticky notes like all over my desk, but then I get rid of them every day. Like that's the thing too. I don't want to just keep building them up. So something gets added to the calendar or crossed off or done, I can move the sticky notes away. So it's kind of like at the end of the day, doing sort of this sweep and this cleanup of all the things surrounding my desk and in my space. And then from there, I'm able to start the next day off distraction-free. I also really like I have a, a standing desk. So it goes up and down, and that's really helpful too. So I find most of the days I start off standing up, and then I'll start to sit down and then maybe stand back up. So mm -hmm. um, I have to clean up. like Kind of like what Jeff was saying, there's too much stuff out here. I feel like I can't think. I can't be in the space that I need to be in. So I got to clean it up at night. Definitely. Tim, what about you? Um, so I'm I'm living in a uh, one bedroom apartment in New York with my girlfriend, and she is also at home because she's currently um, quarantining. Uh, so we're both in the house working from home, and she's in the bedroom. I'm in the living room. Um, I actually prefer to live in the work in the living room because in, in the bedroom I have like a desk and um, and like my general computer setup and stuff is over there. But for some reason, sitting at a desk, maybe like because of college and school and stuff, like it just is really hard for me to get like productive. I just don't feel comfortable. So like a lot of times I prefer to be in the living room or in like a warmer space. Um, and uh, but like, in a, and, and we've been talking about this a lot lately where like productivity wise, like, like Jeff was saying, like have everything where it should, like where it should be and like be like, like know what I'm doing that day. Otherwise, like I can't focus on anything. Cause you were saying Liz that 
you know, your kids have their just computer, pencil, blah, blah. Like all I need is a phone or a computer to distract myself for like literally all day and not get anything done. So like, I need to be like, I need to get these three things done today and only focus on these three things for the next hour. So like uh, combination wise, I haven't had that opportunity to explore like just a personal space for an office, but like, like I know a warm inviting space is really important. Otherwise, like I just don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think liking your space is important too. Um, and maybe Liz, you can talk a little bit about that. Like we're spending so much time in these spaces. You know, why is it so important that we feel calm and, and comfortable and, and physically, you know, you talk about the chair, like our, our backs aren't hurting from the chair we're sitting on. Like, why is this just so important for our, our psyche and our ability to get things done? I mean, I, I think it goes back to, it's a reflection of, of yourself. Right. And it's all of the things your workspace should make you feel good. So I think, and when you feel good, you're more likely to get things done. Um, and especially when your workspace is clean and organized, you can just get right to the day. Like I love Parshall, your tip about cleaning up every afternoon. I just think that's so important. So little things you can have family photos, like have a picture of your dog or your family. Um, I have <laughs> really silly, but like, I love this color. So this color, all of these little things are from Staples. So my, like my stapler is this like teal blue color because it makes me happy. So I've just kind of found little ways to inject my personality into my office and it makes me really happy and it brings me joy when I come up here. Yeah, I feel the same way. When I moved into this, this house, the walls needed to be painted again. And I said, well, if I can choose the color, this will be cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I chose this color and I've just been kind of just using this as a, a you know, like a, a canvas just to play around with to kind of keep tweaking how I can feel better and better in this space. So I'm like, whatever I feel like doing, I'm going to do. So I put a basketball hoop over there with a hoop, you know, I have a picture of donuts on the wall. Like I have, I don't know, I'm just kind of adding things. And this chair over here is actually a chair for my acupuncturist. So I'm like, these, these are really comfortable little, like little recliner things. So she let me have, she says, oh, I have, I have like a couple other ones if you want. And I'm like, yes. That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So I can like sit back, you know, it's like, it's like all these things I've kind of incorporated to just make this space more of a place where I want to be here. If it's fun to be here and the stuff I do, just, I keep, you know, stay in a place of being energized about it. Yeah, that's super cool. Liz, can you talk to us about like, are there any colors that we that we should or maybe we shouldn't be using? I know there's colors that are better for, you know, making us feel more energized or feeling more creative. I know red, some of us in this group really like red. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about color and how that affects like our mood and, and our ability so, to get things done? That's a great question. So a lot of the earth tones, so whites, um, even like um, light blues, they, they spark creativity. Yellows are really good. I know a lot of schools because they um, enhance learning. I would try to stay away from like reds and oranges, um, but if that's what sets you on fire, I say go for it. So it's really personal. I mean, everybody responds differently to color. So I think you have to be a little bit aware of the colors that make you feel really good and the colors that suck the energy out of you and don't use those and use more of kind of the light, bright, the happy colors. I love it. 
I love it. My last office was pink and my husband never stepped foot in there. So I felt like I did something right. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting uh, question though, because like, um, it, it's like, what do you want your workspace to be for, right? So when you were saying earth tones, I, I immediately was transported to thinking about what would my office feel like to me if it was all earth tones? I think it would feel very like relaxing and calming. But when I step into my workspace, I don't necessarily want to be, I personally don't necessarily want to be relaxed and calm because I thrive off of more of like the the badass energy of like, getting stuff done and, and crushing my work and then being able to be done for the day. So like to, to the point about reds, like I have red on my headphones. I have red on like all my logos. I have Spider-Man all over my, to my left of me. And when I see that red, it makes me feel like, yeah, get into it, do the thing. Right. So it's interesting though, because I, I hear the point about, you know, a space that's like yellow or teal and all that. And like, every time I look at Parshall's workspace, I'm like, it just looks so cool. Like it just looks so awesome every time. And, uh, and I'm, I'm visualizing all those things and, and my desk is bamboo. And you know, that always makes me feel very like, Oh, this is nice. It's organic. It's, it's good. Right. So it's interesting how like everybody's different, unique personality and what they need out of their workspace also, um, partly contributes to what the right colors are. Mm. I think it's also interesting, back to this stuff real quickly. When I, again, when I was interviewing the kids, they, they had the, the most amazing insight that I think is so good for adults. I mean, I started with a, with a six-year-old was the youngest one and like amazing tips. But one of them said she really needs something to fidget with. So most of the kids said, you know, clean workspace, you know, kind of what we're used to hearing. But the one child said, I really need this thing. And so I have, you know, I make paper airplanes. I have a fidget spinner. I have a slinky, um, which really brought me back. Um, but I think that that's really cool is about knowing what is it that you need specifically? And some of those things are kind of unconventional or kind of things that maybe weren't allowed in school or are considered a toy. But I think even as adults, like what are those things that are just going to make you feel more calm in certain environments? So it was just a really good tip from, I think she is uh, nine, the, the, the girl that gave me those tips. Hmm. So perfect. Let's talk a little bit about physical space in terms of like, let's say we don't have a, an extra bedroom in our house. We don't have an office. Do you have any tips for people who are working in more of a um, communal area of their home? You need to create zones. I think that's kind of the, the easiest way. I know for a while we were all kind of like at the kitchen table and we just had to create zones. It's almost like putting tape across the table and dividing it into four sections. And this is your space. Um, again, the noise canceling headphones and really minimizing the clutter. You just, you have to minimize the clutter. Do you have any tips for doing that? It's a lot of this, unfortunately, I think comes into self-reflection of what do you actually need? And that can be, I think, difficult is just surrounding yourself with like, when I look at my day, I need a computer and a calculator and like a notepad, really. But if you look at my desk, there's like stuff all over it and fabric. So I think if you're really tight on space, you have to get you have to get really honest with yourself and just have those immediate things because we all know clutter builds up really quickly and then nothing gets done. Yeah, yeah. Um, anybody else in the group? I want to go to Jeff because Jeff, I know you have a more you're you're in a more communal space. I know sometimes we see we see baby in the background. So how does that living space, working space work for you? 
uh, not great all the time. Candidly, mm. um, I am an easily distracted person. And, um, uh, if I have my momentum going like the, the other side of, of attention deficit is like this hyper focus. And if I get into like my, like I'm in a groove and then that is broken and I have to try and get it back. I become like irritable for like the next like 12 hours. So uh, it's not great to be in the back corner of my living room always. Um, but we, we have as a family had to have like a, you know, a lot of like very like upfront out in the open conversations around like, you know, kind of creating those zones and creating those time periods. Like sometimes I have to do work on weekends uh, to kind of catch up on stuff for the week. Or like I have all of these like personal projects. So on the weekend, I, I will say to my wife on like a Friday, like, Hey, on Saturday, I need about two hours of uninterrupted time. And Sunday, I need four hours of uninterrupted time. Can you like manage baby up on the second floor and all that. And, um, and I think communication is such a key to that because everybody's gonna be different about their level of focus and their level of being able to manage distraction. My threshold for managing distraction is very, very, very low. So I have to be kind of like very coddled around like how we manage my work environment so that I can operate at my peak. Um, so I think communication and creating those zones is is really a super important thing. Um, but I think kind of almost to Parshall's point about like, you kind of have to have like your cleanup routine. Um, so we have, we have this baby toy that it talks to another baby toy, not like they have conversations, but like if one's on it, the other one will respond and we'll sometimes forget it's on up here. And like that thing will just start going and it'll make a noise. And then all of a sudden, like I'm out of it for like the next hour because this thing's like singing at me. So I think like making sure that you're like kind of doing like a clean sweep before you get into it and that you're communicating that you're in your zone and you need everyone to respect that zone. Um, I think is are two of the things that I would probably recommend. Hmm. Uh, Tim or Parshall, can you speak to those points either? I was like going to say communicating, that thing, Yeah. Oh, say, what, say it again? Communicating? Well, communicating your space, communicating your boundaries, communicating now is my oh, yeah. time to work. I don't have an extra one over here because, uh, oh, here it is. So this is like one of these like little lights. I don't know. Hold on. Wait. And it changes colors. I don't know if you can see that on this, but they change colors and I put it outside of my door. And usually my girlfriend, she just comes in and out, right? To go back to this room and then back. And oftentimes like this, when I'm recording, it's like, I have to find a way to tell her, do not come in here. <laughs> so what I did is I put this little light on the outside and there's a remote that comes with it. So I could just turn it off from here and it turns on red. And then she knows like, okay, do not disturb what's going on in that room. And that kind of helps me just like communicate without having to say, you know, this or that. And usually it's like an hour from like a call or something like this where we're recording. So it's pretty simple just to turn it on really quick. And then she just knows like to be quiet around here and then to um, not come in. Cause it's like the door squeaks and you know, all that stuff. Um, one thing too, when you talk about like distraction and getting better with that, like I found too that I, would often get distracted in my day. And uh, a couple of things that's helped me was one to sort of turn off my notifications on my phone. Like most of the time my phone is like pretty much on silent. That's like the worst there. And then the other thing is before I start working, before I even come to the desk, like I, I, in my morning routine, make sure that I spend time to meditate. So that helps me just to kind of regain some level of focus before I jump in. So at least for the first like three hours of the day, I'm feeling pretty strong. And then now I think I need to have like another afternoon meditation session or something for five minutes because I started to kind of peter off in terms of my distraction. But otherwise, that's how I communicated. And that's like, um, 
another tip that helps me to just stay more focused. I love the light. I think that's a really good thing for, for families also. I wish my dog would understand. <laughs> <laughs> the, the colors of the lights. He was in here during the last hour. Um, we were on another call and he was eating the um, sound screens that Jeff had given me. So, Well, I'm glad they've gone to good use. <laughs> I, had, I had them all on the wall and he was ripping them off and eating them. So I think boundaries are, are critical, you know, and I think something important like being able to shut a door in this case for a pet is huge. Being able to say to a family member, can you watch the kids for a little bit? This call is really important to me. Um, I have eight Zoom calls today. My husband this morning said to me, which ones are the most important, right? And that's helpful because there are some where the dog can be in and if he jumps on my lap, it's not a huge deal. Other calls, it's just not appropriate for him to be doing that, right? So I think that's important too, is how you're mm. communicating and not saying, I'm going to work the whole day and this whole day is about me, but rather, you know, coordinating that with your partner to say, okay, what's most critical for you today? This is what's most critical for me. Let's figure this out together. I think open, strong communication on that is just so important right now. Yeah. And one thing I'll just add to that, just partial the brilliance of the light. What that made me think of was that sometimes for me the, with the um, the communication, why it's so important is it's not just that it stops the distraction from happening, but also for me, what's sometimes even more critical and, and interrupts my focus is the fear of somebody interrupting my focus. So by having and setting that boundary, I'm not actually going, what was that sound? Is somebody coming in? This So like, I know that I get to have that space for focus. And that allows me to kind of more easily get into the flow. Because if I'm worried that somebody's going to come in, then I, I have more of a difficulty in actually like locking into my focus. So I think that that communication is critical. And I think the light is such a, a good like um, uh, artifact to be able to to present that idea. We lost yeah. her briefly. I'm sure she'll be <laughs> in one second, though. And um, I... Uh... Uh, when we, when Christine and I first moved in together, we kind of like had a discussion because this was during, um, during stay at homes and stuff like that. So um, pretty much like whenever I'm about to have a meeting, like I'll go in and communicate, going to have a meeting, it's going to last about this long. And because um, she's there having meetings all day long. And, you know, at one o'clock, I don't schedule anything because that's her lunch. So, um, so, you know, we typically have lunch together at that time and I'm not having any meetings so she can come in and out of the room. Um, but in general, like, you know, I don't have that much to deal with and we're both pretty solid communicators and pretty low key people. So it doesn't, I, I haven't run into any issues yet. Yeah. Great. All right. I want to go back to Liz for a couple minutes here. Liz, let's say we are planning a home office remodel or a workspace remodel. What are some of the must-haves for that space? Well, if depending on budget, so windows are big and double or triple pane windows are becoming really uh, hot commodities for office spaces now because they're, they cancel out more noise. Um, Something else that's really kind of interesting that I just found out for noise canceling, um, especially if it's kind of if your office is close to an adjacent room that could be noisy or your your partner is on another call is putting up like those egg crates on the walls. Um, they help to dampen sound and absorb it, which is really kind of interesting. They also look really cool on Zoom. They don't look so great in person, but on Zoom, they look really interesting. Um, also, I would have a really interesting backdrop. So plan for these Zoom calls. So the 
whatever's behind you, you should organize it so that it's a really cool gallery wall or um, a painting, something interesting for people to look at that's reflective of your personality. That's a really, that's a really good tip. You know, everybody's spending so much time on Zoom. I think it's interesting to see like some people like that to be too judgy, <laughs> which it sounds like, but it's just interesting how some people you think like, like partial, you really put care and thought into it and it really shows and other people it's like, oh, did you, did you try? Did you want to try? So I think it's interesting how, um, it is really become a personal branding opportunity to showcase, you know, what's behind me. Like I get a lot of comments on my books being color coded. You must be organized. Your books are color coded. Well, yes, I am. And that's also part of my brand. So I think it's interesting to be able to use this space, even from a business perspective, like this is really reflective of who you are and, and what you're portraying to other people. Can I actually ask a question of Liz? Absolutely. Cool. Um, Liz, when you were, uh, when, when all this stuff happened in 2020 and you typically work one way, uh, and you work on like, you know, like, I think you said kitchens and living rooms. Is that right? Mostly. We work on everything. Yep. You work on everything. But like when you started working on offices for the way pe home offices for the way people are, are working now, like, what was it like? How, how, how did you transition to like, to like thinking about offices a little bit differently in, in like the age of Zoom and, you know, how like aesthetics matter and sound matters and all this other stuff matters that didn't necessarily wasn't as big of a deal before, if that makes sense. That's a great question. No, it's really good. Um, so offices before were just kind of like a throwaway space. So something kind of fun, not for everybody, but for some, um, we would do a lot of glass doors and, um, some storage and now those rooms are they're like hyper designed um glass doors look great but they let sound in so we're doing solid doors um we're doing more insulation in those rooms so that they're they're almost soundproof everything is behind closed doors so i'm a big proponent of organization so we're measuring people's printers and their computers and the space that they need for paper so that everything has a space and of course, room for some personal items, but every it's just super organized. Whereas before it was just kind of like, I'll figure it out. I just need a place to put my computer. And now this, these have to function uh, for people. I, I love that. I think that's so important. Like you do, you, you kind of forget how bulky some of this equipment is. I've got, you know, the microphone above me, the printer's big, the screens are big, measuring that space. And Highly recommend following Liz on Instagram for a lot of these ideas, but you do a great job, Liz, of, of really working with what do you have, and now we're going to create that space around really your needs and how you live your everyday life. I think that's important if you can speak to that for a few minutes, like tailoring the space to how you work and what you have. Yeah, I mean, I'm an interior designer, but I'm, I always tell my clients, I'm not looking to spend all of your money. So we're really good at taking the things that you have and that are important to you. So your printer, and you may have some really big, gigantic, ugly printer, but you need it for your job. So I'm certainly not going to tell you to get something that's pretty, that doesn't work for you. So we're going to measure it and we are going to find a way for it to fit someplace mm. that makes sense for you. And that it's, it's a little bit hidden. So I think we're really good at just taking things that you have and rearranging them in a way that makes sense and that look good. Love it. 
Um, while we've got Tim and Parshall with us, who are really experts in this space, are there any other tips for dampening noise? Um, you know, helping with your recording, making your recording sound better. Maybe Tim, can you start, and then we'll go to Parshall. Actually, I'm going to pass this one to Parshall because Parshall's been working in the um, in the, uh, the 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 space a little bit more than I have over the last year. I'm I'm still figuring it out, but I know that what's important when we talk about audio and being heard is like you mentioned the foam things that you can have uh, in the room to kind of dampen the sounds, but then also just making sure you have a good microphone. So there's a lot of microphones that are out there now that you can use, or if you don't have that, sometimes I just tell people put the earbuds in that you get with your phone, put that into your computer, and that'll perform much better than the big ambient sound that you'll get in in a room. So. Um, those are that's what what's worked for me is just finding a way to for me I, uh, I don't have anything dampening the walls just yet but uh, for sure I have a microphone that hopefully is clear enough and doesn't sound like I'm in a big big room that's yeah I'm great yeah yeah and and until I I, I, I have to um, uh, the next place I'm getting I get I'm gonna make sure like I have an office in there because like at the moment like the, I'm in my living room and I have such a big space and it's like and like every time I put something up, I got to take it back down. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of weak right now. Is there, is there anything else for just the, the lay person out there? You know, somebody who doesn't have fancy equipment, they don't have foam, you know, Liz, what are some of the things that we can add to our space to dampen noise, like more throw pillows or, or textiles, anything yeah. like that, that kind of, we might have laying around the house already. Yeah. Pillows, rugs go a really long way. So I've seen people and they just layer rugs all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, even sofa cushions, like if you have a really important call and you need it to be quiet, just take apart the sofa and it'll go back together. I'm not kidding. I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but if you need something in a pinch, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Stupid, stupid question. Where, where do you put the sofa cushions? Are you putting them like, like in front of you or behind you or what, what are you doing with them? like around you. I would almost create like a little alcove around you if you could. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. My best advice is like to think about, um, imagine that your voice is like uh, a racquetball and as you speak, you're throwing it against anything around and you want to create in whatever direction you're speaking, you want to create something that the racquetball would hit and immediately fall to the ground and thud rather than bounce back at you. So probably the most important place to put anything sound related would be right opposite where you're speaking. So like right in front of where I am on the wall, I've put up sound panels against the wall. The wall is about a good, like maybe foot and a half, two feet for me. Um, so sound panels there, that's dampening anything that when I'm speaking this way, that's not going into the mic, it's not going to bounce off. The other thing is because I have a larger room, if it did bounce, it's going all the way back there before it bounces off this way. So, um, you know, the, behind you, you want to have any sort of like sound dampening you can, like our uh, friend of ours, Alex, uh, we'll often say like grab whatever towels you have or blankets you have in the house and just stuff them in the room. Now that obviously doesn't help our conversation around clutter going back to like <laughs> having a nice clean workspace surrounded by towels and blankets and pillows, probably not your best thing or the sofa cushions. But from the standpoint of like, you're going to be recording something, you want to try and remove as many hard echoey surfaces as possible. Well, and I think today is a kind of a perfect example, right? Like we're recording, it's a snow day, spouses are home, kids are home. So, you know, your house can sort of feel like this shell of if one person's on a Zoom call, every person 
on the in the house knows what everybody else is talking about and that can be very disruptive and distracting so i think it's important to keep the space clutter free but to liz's point in those moments where i'm going on a call and i just don't need everyone listening or this to be a distraction for everyone i think those cushions and alex told me the same thing he's like get all the linens you have in your house and put them in a room and then go record it in that room i think that's a really good uh really good piece of advice Something that I'm kind of curious about is like in like, let's say hypothetically, even after like the this whole pandemic thing's over and if people end up like working remotely more frequently after this are is is it going to be kind of like a, like normalized to have almost like a mini sounds stage in your house so you can take these zoom calls and sound more professional on them like is that is that is have you seen that in your clients where that's something that they're they're actually kind of like that's becoming more and more important to them and they're thinking about more it's the zoom room and everybody's having them and because this isn't going anywhere and even in, i don't know what normalized is going to like maybe this is normalized going forward so people are taking a lot of care to make sure that these spaces are designed well and one thing i forgot to mention before was good lighting like you have to have good lighting in these rooms i was on a call last week and i couldn't believe that to sarah's point some of these people had terrible lighting still so there's all kinds of gadgets even if you can't i mean recess is not great but those ring lights and there are inexpensive ways to do it but I really think these rooms are going to be around for quite some time. Hmm. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, yeah, question that I have is, um, so so as I mentioned before, I'm very sensitive to clutter and um, kind of there, there's like two, maybe three different ways to deal with this, right? So like I've noticed behind you, you have open shelves and you have things on the shelf and if they're neatly organized, that's great. Then there's also like closed shelving as an opportunity. And like behind me, I have um, a couple like little gray ottomans that are closed up and everything that sits inside of there, it's organized in there, but sometimes it can be a little bit chaotic, but it's otherwise it's organized. And then there's the idea of you just clean out the space, right? Like you just say like, I'm in a big empty room. It feels like an Apple commercial. So of those kind of three options, are you seeing either any trends or any best practices, things that are kind of emerging as what's working for people? Because I have this amazing open bookshelf over here with all my books, and that makes me happy to see all of my books. But then at the same time, I see all of my books, and then I get distracted, and I start thinking about all the different book titles, and it starts to like drive me a little mad. So I tend to be of the mindset of like putting things away and out of sight, because when I see them out and about, it distracts me. But I don't know if there's there's a certain at the same time, I look at Sarah's color coded books and I'm like, well, that's dope. I wouldn't have a problem with that. It's neatly organized. Now I feel calm. What are you seeing that's like best practice or things that that maybe to consider about how to create a workspace that um, that takes advantage of one or more of these different types of like modalities of organization? So best practices are things are going behind closed doors. Anything that you use once in a while should go behind closed doors. That goes for, I think, most spaces. There's so much clutter. People don't want to see it. And, you know, visual clutter does to your mind. It just scrambles your brain. So I think close, close as much as you can. Now, for things that you're accessing all the time, those can be for an office. Those can be in open shelves. Or if they're just things that bring you joy, like Sarah's color-coded books. That's just fun to look at. So those things can certainly be open. Or maybe that's just something that you are never going to touch. It's purely display. 
Um, but for the most part, things are going behind closed doors because it just creates a sense of calm. Hmm. Take it. Awesome. I think what's interesting is to remember, though, what's in those spaces. So I wrote a blog about being organized and what does it mean to be organized? And and I believe that you are organized if you know what you have, where it is and, and how you're going to use it. So I think you can close the door, but like the word of caution is to, to make sure that you're not just throwing things in there, shutting the door, and then those items are wasted or never utilized. You know, I think we're all guilty of going to the grocery store and buying another thing of olive oil. And then you're like, I've got 10 of these um, because they got buried in the back of the cupboard. So um, Liz, do you have any tips for people on kind of maintaining their organization and not just, I totally agree with you closing the door, but are there ways to make sure that we're not just stuffing things in there or, or wasting some of the things that we do have? So it's a trick that we do in kitchens. It's to your point, like the pantry cabinet is too deep. So things just get shoved back in there. So same thing with offices. We try not to make those office cabinets all that deep. So you can't hide things back there. They're not going to get shoved back there for five years. It'll fit what you need it to fit. And that's kind of it. And then other than that, I think it's, you need to regularly take stock of what you have. So go through, it's like the end of the day clean out. Maybe once a week, you open up those things. It's like cleaning out your closet. Look inside of those doors. Do I actually need this? Yes or no? That kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I think too, it's it's so easy to shove stuff in a drawer and think I'll, I'll get to it tomorrow. And then a week goes by and you still haven't really dealt with the items in that drawer. So um, I often recommend to people to do, you know, a weekly prep use Friday to prep for the week ahead. I think that's also a great time to clean out the drawers, clean off your desk. I love what Parshall does. And I recommend that also at the end of every day, declutter the space. Um, Jeff, you're a huge proponent of, of creating habits. And maybe you can speak to a little bit about some of your daily habits around this, because I think that's how we make this stuff actually work in, in real life when we create habits. Can you speak to that, Jeff? I can speak to how you would do it, but not what I'm actually doing, because I would say that as it relates to my workspace, I have not. I, so I have a habit in place that I just don't actually do, which is that I have a sort of start of the day routine and then I have my shutdown routine. And the shutdown routine is a, a series of several digital tasks and then a series of several like physical space tasks. Uh, but I haven't really done a particularly good job of doing those. Um, I've done a much better job of practicing my Mandarin every morning and brushing my teeth and flossing and things like that than I do uh, actually doing my workspace. But I think the main thing is, is one, know exactly what it is that you're trying to do in, in these uh, situations. So if it's, for instance, you know, you want to have a clean workspace, identify what it exactly means to have a clean workspace, and then set several different uh, specific tasks that you would need to do to make that happen. And then ideally, I would incorporate some sort of a habit stacking to be able to do this effectively. So that would be looking for something that you know you're going to do anyway. Like maybe, for instance, you know that the last thing that you do every single day um, at work is you send one final email to so-and-so. I don't know. Or maybe you like shut down your browser. What you want to do is find something you do every single day. Uh, like for me, I shut off my um, my lights. So that would be a good um, habit stack for me. After I shut off my lights, that would be a good time for me to say, okay, now it's time for me to clear off my desk, take anything that's mail related, put it in the the kind of the uh, filing system that I have, clear off anything that's not, you know, 
technically related to my my work product and that would be a good way of doing it so i don't do it but that's how i would do it if i were to do it <laughs> i get that i get that um the, it's interesting that you brought up the mail because one of the things i wanted to ask liz was how do you help clients to prevent the space from becoming like what i would call a drop zone right so the kitchen often becomes a drop zone for mail book bags, you know, I went to the store and bought something and now it's just sitting on the kitchen counter. How do you help clients kind of avoid that drop zone clutter situation in some of those common areas of the home? That's a great question. And we have so many of these and we, we have a difficult conversation with the client about how we can get them organized. So we start by saying, how do you live? what's not working the drop zone is far and away the top thing the book bags the shoes everything so then we take stock of all of those things and find places so it's either they go behind the book bags go behind a door on a hook right the mail goes in maybe it's a pigeonhole or there's things that need to be mailed things that need to be opened bills i mean there's ways to organize them so it's not all cluttered. You can organize them by person of the household that they're for, um, the urgency that they need to be addressed, school forms. So we try and kind of organize them that way. And really the mudroom drop zone thing, I am not a big proponent of the open shelf uh, cubby, which is like all over Instagram and Pinterest because nobody lives like that. So <laughs> we try and have them <laughs> I, I know we don't, they're behind a closed door, there's hooks, everybody can put their stuff in there and you can close the door. I love it. Anybody else have tips for how they manage the drop zones in their homes? That's a good question. I mean, so one thing that I do is anytime I find that we've reached kind of a critical breaking point is I tend to take all of it and put it in one big bag and then just process the entire bag. Um, which I know is terrible because I'm usually like a month behind on something at that point. Um, but I tend to try to create kind of to Liz's point, I have like places for things, right? Like incoming mail goes here. And then the the big challenge is I don't think it's designing the process. It's adhering to the process mm -hmm. and getting all of the parties in a space to adhere to the process. It's sort of like the um, the junk drawer. Everybody has like the junk drawer, right? But like, what exactly goes in the junk drawer and what happens when things that are supposed to have a home find their way into the junk drawer or to a different drawer? There's got to be like systems that get adhered to. And I think that that's probably, at least as speaking for my own home, that's the bigger problem than having the system is adhering to the system. I know this is like completely normal for like the vast majority of people to do this, but like I um, have a, a, a series of hooks over here. So every time I walk in the door, it's like hat, keys, backpack, uh, and then hang up coat right away. And like when I started doing that, I realized how less stressed I was in general when I was leaving the door because I know exactly where everything is when I'm going out of the door because my typical thing was like throw keys on the desk or, or the nightstand or something like that and throw all that stuff around. And then I'd have to like figure out which one of the three locations that I might have put it if these things were. And like now that they're always in the same place, I actually started just doing that with literally everything. So now like as far as drop zones, like like the more different kinds of things that I realize that I have coming in and going all the time, um, the more places I have to put things and hide things away in like places where I know they're gonna be, 
like even even with this like you know and my mic um liz was talking uh about um how you have to have like the stuff that you use but not that frequently you need to put that away and the stuff that you use frequently you can have it out but like i have a box over here and this box is the stuff that i use every day it's not really a box it's like a little thing on the shelf and then i have a box in my closet where like my mic stuff goes and then i have you know what i mean and 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 so just like having places for stuff and do, doing the simple things first so you learn how important those things are is really helpful. Yeah, and there's a lot of research behind why that's so important because we waste so much time and and mental energy like where's where's my keys? Where's my keys when you just your keys are in the same place every time. It just it it saves you so much time and energy. So that's that's great, Tim. Um Parshall, anything to add from your side? Yeah, one thing I was uh, just reminded of, my, mind you, by the way, I'm like looking at my desk and like, you know, get my stuff together and multitasking right now. Definitely. <laughs> but no, um, the, the concept of like of willpower, I think is really important too. We talk about adhering to certain habits and that's, that's, that's often pretty challenging. I think we can all set up like, this is how I want this to be done, but then how you stick to it is another thing. And the concept of like, we have a certain amount of willpower that um that we execute right it's like a like if you have a battery and the battery gets low like that's your willpower so usually i've heard you want to reserve that for more of the important decisions you have to make during the day versus like the smaller things like making sure to remember things so one aspect about adhering to certain habits is i think what it might be what you're referencing jeff about like habit stacking to where it's like one thing is like you know, dependent on another. So it all gets happened. It all happens right then and there. Like for me, for example, one thing I do before starting the day and I do it right here in my office, like I'll, you know, make sure my desk is clean. And then I already go and start picking out what I'm going to put on the next day, even though this is my zoom room in my area where it doesn't matter what I'm wearing from the bottom down, but I still take the time to plan out what I'm going to wear. So that way, when I start the day, I don't have to use my willpower to figure out what I'm going to wear. So that's like one thing that's also been helpful with just like, again, like I think of like like that habit stacking where, okay, when I do this, now it's all taken care of, you know, and I'm doing it at the same time that I do something else. So that's been really helpful for me. Perfect. Liz, um, we're going to wrap up in a few minutes here, but any other tips you have for us? I know you and I were talking the other day about how like some trends in home uh, layout has even changed. Like there used to be everyone wanted open you know, floor spaces and now these more closed traditional homes are becoming popular. So um, you can chat about that. Anything else you want to share, share with the listeners here? No, I mean, yeah, things are open concept is always going to be around in some form or fashion. Um, but I think the days of your kitchen, living room, office, uh, dining room as all one space are, are nearing its end, which I'm happy about. I think we all need our own spaces. Um, and the other thing I just, I want to remind people is don't compare yourself to other people or someone else's office or space, because what works for them is not necessarily going to work for you. So you kind of have to do the work and think about how you live. We have a lot of people that show us pretty pictures about what they want, but then when I ask them if that's going to work for them and to your point about reality and willpower, the answer is usually no. So I think just be really honest about how you work, how you live, and, and it's okay because we're all we're all different and we all need different things. 
I think that is a great way to end this. Um, so Liz, we're gonna, we always do a segment called What Are We Into? So we're gonna get to that. And I kind of want to know from Parshell what she's been into lately. <laughs> but oh first, God. but first, so Parshell, you think about that. But first, um, Liz, can you tell everybody, okay. you know, how, how to get in touch with you, um, where they can find you, definitely following you on Instagram, all those spots. Yep, I can be found at Liz at LizWaltonHome.com. Um, my Instagram is at LizWaltonHome. It's the same for Facebook. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn, Liz Walton Home. We are, we're on all of them. Awesome, great. Well, thank you for being here. I'm gonna throw it over to Parshell because I wanna know what she's been up to lately. Uh, <laughs> Doing some, some, some travel, some traveling. <laughs> Yes. So, and just uh, tell us, weeks. just tell us about your trip if you don't want. If you don't want to talk about the whole trip, just tell us about. No, me. no, no. It's it's fine. How it's fine. Was. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I don't awesome. want to put you on the spot. Oh no, it's awesome. I, I went to Mexico um, to Playa del Carmen and Tulum, and that was pretty exciting. To I don't know, just to be away in somewhere different and uh, to be able to travel. So I mean, just like the way we travel in the states, you know, with the mask, because which I've done. Is, is just the same way going into uh, at least in Mexico for now. But anyway, I was there. And one of the things I wrote down at the beginning of 2020 was that I wanted to do an ayahuasca ceremony. And so that was really, really neat to do. And I did that in the middle of a jungle in Mexico <laughs> and uh, was quite the experience and a beautiful experience too. So if you guys don't know much about it, I'll try to share some more on my social this week. But uh, essentially, ayahuasca is a, as a plant from the Amazon, and it's been around for centuries as a healing plant. So it's a medicinal, you know, it's plant medicine, essentially, but it helps you to get in touch with a lot of, uh, you know, inner healing that needs to happen, so to speak. So that definitely mm -hmm. happened for me, and I recommend it if you're if you're brave enough to uh, to do it, you don't have to be in the middle of the jungle, but sometimes that's preferred because you're like actually in uh, a natural environment. So yeah, it was incredible. It was super cool. She posted on Instagram, like, Parshall, how did we not talk about this last week? It's pretty amazing. Even that you did international travel right now is awesome. Like cool experience no matter what. Yeah, thank you. I ain't scared, you know what I mean? Yeah, Just you, live, you gotta live. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, anybody else have something to share that they're into this week? Damn, I had one, but then you went all ayahuasca on it. <laughs> I was just going to say, my mother-in-law is here with us, and she makes really amazing wontons. And, <laughs> and I'm telling you, these are amazing wontons, but you went all ayahuasca on us, and I just don't know how anybody is going to compare to that sort of life-changing experience. I mean, <laughs> these wontons are life-changing. I'm just saying. Hey. There's just levels to say. We'll take both of them. Yeah, they're really good. Very cool. Great. Um, well, wonderful. This was the Heroic Council for this week. Um, next week, Parshel is going to be leading us on a discussion about an effective 10-minute-a-day LinkedIn routine. So I think everybody can benefit from that right now. So uh, get ready for that next week. In the meantime, please, if you love this show, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, that's it for this week. So thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see Thank you, next you for time. having me. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, everyone.